Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Jenny Murphy who is the director of winemaking and the winemaker at Paul Hobbs Wines in Sonoma County. Jenny, you have so many titles. You're so important. I am so excited to be here with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to to be here as well. Yeah, this is amazing. Not only are you just such an accomplished woman, and you make spectacular wine, but you have placed me in like the perfect spot for this interview, and then you're going to follow it up with a fantastic tasting. I, I don't know how I could have a better moment. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to be upset when you're on this property. It's it's a gorgeous, gorgeous view. Um, right now, we're sitting in our Gravenstein house, which is one of our guest spaces. Um, beautiful view out into our Shell Ranch vineyard. And it's a perfect day. It's perfect. Yeah. The weather perfect is perfect. It smells like cut grass outside. I know. <laughs> We've set the scene perfectly. You've, you've done all of this for me. Thank you <laughs> so much. Well, let's dive into talking about your career, which is intriguing to me and kind of a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep things mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I tried to research for this interview and had a challenging time. Basically, you have spent the majority of your career here at Paul Hobbs. However, you did spend a little time at Corbell. And I also learned when I first arrived that you are from Silicon Valley. So before we get into your career, I've got to ask, how does a Silicon Valley girl land in wine country? It was all by chance. I didn't intend to end up in wine country at all. Um, I definitely born and bred in San Jose and wanted to end up back in San Jose. Um, but I honestly, I graduated from college at a really awkward time in the economy um, back in 2009. And, and what was your degree? My degree is in chemistry. And I had done a lot of previous jobs in forensics. That was what I wanted to end up. I wanted to be in a crime lab. I wanted to do analytical chemistry. That was my love, my passion. Um, so I did internships. I worked for a biotech company in Redwood City for three summers, and I worked with um, an on-campus lab looking at forensic research. Um, and so that was what I wanted to do. But I, when I graduated, it was just no counties were going to hire me. I went to UC Davis, and so I went to the career fair, and I walked in the room, and I thought, where are the jobs I'm going to take? There's all these wineries here. <laughs> and so I walked around, and finally I started talking to people, and they said, you know, we, we like chemists here, and, you know, you can come work in our lab for, for harvest. And I said, that sounds great, actually. Let's try that for, you know, a distraction until I figure out what I'm really going to do with my life. And I took an internship at Corbell Champagne. I was there for seven months and just, I fell in love. I fell in love with the area. I fell in love with the people. I liked the community. Um, and I just thought, I got to do that again. I got to just see what else I can find. And so I ended up 
looking around trying to find the biggest lab I could find, the coolest toys, you know. So I interviewed at some of the big players in Napa, and then I did a little interview at Paul Hobbs Winery. And I walked in, I thought, this is not at all what I want. This is a tiny little lab. They've got nothing going on. There was nobody working in the lab at the time. And so I thought, this just, this isn't going to work. And then I talked to the winemakers, and I talked to Paul, and Paul said, you know, you've got my vote. And I thought, well, maybe this is going to work. And so that's how I ended up in, at Paul Hobbs. What a story. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a dream story. And you've been here for 12 years. Yeah, it's been a journey. So I started in the lab. Paul really wanted to bring on a chemist. He wanted someone that could rewrite procedure, up their QC. Um, and so it was this amazing opportunity for someone like me. I was 22 when I started here. And I you know, had to research all this stuff. I knew my chemistry, I knew the science, but I didn't know wine. And so I needed to really delve into it. And one of the winemakers at the time, he's, he gave me some of the best advice and he just said, you know, you've got to taste everything that comes through your lab. And so I started developing a palette. I started understanding what the numbers meant. Um, and I built the lab that we currently have. And that was really something I'm still very proud of. So I started as the lab tech and moved my way up to enologist and then to assistant winemaker, to winemaker, and to now the director of winemaking. So it's been a journey all within one little company. That's amazing. And so how long have you been the winemaker here? Um, I was promoted to the winemaker position at the end of the 2017 harvest. Okay. So five years? Five years, yeah. Wow. Quick math. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think what you probably brought, which you know, was really refreshing was a fresh palate to the process because you didn't have really any wine experience. And so you had fresh perspective, a fresh palate. And I know that probably that has served Paul Hobbs really well. Yeah, I think it, I think Paul really has enjoyed having me because I'm definitely a straight shooter. <laughs> I tell right. him not necessarily what he wants to hear all the time, but what he needs to hear. And I think that he's really, you know, he and I work really well together. But I do have that science portion to back up the creative side of winemaking. And I think that's what's been so amazing about the career, my career here, is that Paul has really allowed that creativity to grow. And so I think there is that definite art and science balance that keeps me really interested. So dream job? I mean, I think I'm, I think I'm doing it. You know, I love. <laughs> yeah. I'm, is this? Yeah. It, this. It, yeah. I mean, it is. I love working outside. I love working with my hands. I'm definitely a hands-on winemaker. I'm a less happy winemaker when I'm at my desk. <laughs> so I like to weigh in all my own fruit. I like to count, you know, weigh in all my own whole cluster and be out there as much as I can. I am the only winemaker here. I don't have an assistant at the moment. And so it is definitely, I've got to be at my desk. That's part of the job, writing work orders. But, um, but I just love being out there with the fruit and tasting. And it's such an important part. You can't make good wine if you're sitting behind a computer. Describe your style of wine. What have you brought to Paul Hobbs? I think as, you know, Paul and I have worked together on these these wines, what I've really brought is this kind of more ethereal. I really like a good femininity to the wines, um, a little bit lighter touch on tannin, alcohol. And so I think we've really worked together to make more wines that are more, have more ageability in the, in the long run. So for me, that's, that's really my goal is to make these wines that are so 
the wines are like people to me. And so I want to make these wines that are really unique and have their own vineyard identity. So we work with a lot of vineyard designate fruit. And I, I think that we've really differentiated sites. Best advice that you've received along the way, maybe um, from Paul or, or from someone else. There's been a lot of, a lot of good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> maybe some bad stuff too. <laughs> maybe some bad stuff too. But I really think, you know, not being afraid is something that, that sounds really simple, but I think somebody once told me, you know, just get on the plane, which for me has meant a lot because you just, I think that all the time, you know, just do it, be brave and just do it. And I think that that's, as a woman in the industry, it can be very challenging. And I think being brave and just standing your ground, that's been something that's helped me get ahead. You brought up a point about women in the industry. What do you think women in as winemakers do you think there's more? Do you think that women as winemakers are equal, if not better than men? <laughs> um, you're going to get me in trouble, Michelle. No, <laughs> no, but I mean, there's, there's always that, that, um, there's always the discussion of women have better palates. Mm -hmm. So I'm not trying to get anyone in any trouble, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just curious what your thoughts are about women in winemaking these days. I think one thing that I've noticed working in a mostly male-dominated industry is that women tend to stop and think more, and they tend to put a little bit more thought into the details. And that's not everybody, but I've definitely noticed, you know, sometimes when a male winemaker walks into a situation, they're, they're so confident they know exactly what they're going to do, they know exactly what they want, and they just go. And I think that there's something to be said for stepping back and saying, wait a minute, let me reassess that. Let me think about this. And so sometimes what I think comes across as a lack of confidence is really just some thoughtfulness. And I think that's something that women bring to the, to the table that maybe gets lost on some male winemakers. Well said. You make Chardonnay, Cabernet, Pinot Noir, Syrah, Merlot, and now Bubbles. She poured me a little. So I know about the bubbles. It's a secret, everyone. Do you have a favorite in the bunch that you like to make? That's like, I do. Um, picking a favorite wine, that's like picking a favorite child. But um, picking a favorite wine to make is definitely Pinot Noir for me. And why is that? Um, I feel like Pinot is so unique to the house, and it has such a house style. Um, there's so many decisions that go into making the Pinot right on the crush pad that I think it just is so exciting. So when the Pinot shows up, you know, I'm tasting the clusters. I want to see how much whole cluster goes in. I have to weigh those out myself. You know, what temperature are we going to ferment? That's going to completely change the flavor profile. Um, and what vessel are we going to use? We use, you know, really small vessels. We use conical vessels that are, you know, typical size, four and a half tons. We use rectangular vessels. We use concrete so there's all these decisions that goes into Pinot that really changes the aromatics. And I think that's really fun. Well, that's all that science and <laughs> yeah. all that education that you had that goes into making this wine, that chemistry component and the manipulation of the grapes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So Pinot is your, is what you enjoy making mm -hmm. the most. Ever think that you will make your own wine one day? I mean, that's kind of always the dream, right? You got to keep your creative side active. Um, so that's sort of, you know, always in, in the back of my mind that that could be something really fun to experiment with. I mean, I love working with 
I get to work with amazing vineyards here and make great wines and I have a great team. So I'm really happy, you know, doing what I'm doing, but there's always that little bit of itch to, to do something else on the side <laughs> to right. keep those creative juices flowing. Not something you're doing right away, but uh, maybe down the road. Yep. Top moment of your career so far? Uh, I have to say that my aha moment as a winemaker was when we blended our 2018 Cleary Estate Pinot Noir. Um, and when I say blend, we do some very intensive barrel tastings. So it's all Pinot and it's all from one site, but it's a lot of different clones. Um, and we put this blend together and got it in tank. And it was only 150 cases, so very small tank. Um, and then I went back and I said, I'm going to taste this and see what it tastes like. Um, and I tasted it out of the tank and I thought, man, that is the best wine that we have ever made, that I have ever made. Um, and so that was really, I think, the highlight so far. What do you hope to continue to bring to Paul Hobbs going forward? I think I hope to bring, continue to bring innovation. I mean, I, we've done a lot of work with barrels um, over the last few years, getting better oak for our vineyards um, and being more deliberate with choices. Um, same thing with fermentation temperatures and all these different variables. I mean, there's so many variables in it that go into making a single wine. Um, and so that's something that my team and I work really hard on is to continually innovate. How do we change our batonage program for Chardonnay? How do we make this better or that better? Because we're already making great wines, mm -hmm. but how do we take that and excel even further? And so I think that that's something that I bring to the table is I, I push a little bit. <laughs> I push Paul. I push my team. Um, they all kind of look at me like I'm crazy sometimes. But <laughs> Right there. It's probably hard to keep striving for better when you're already so great. Yeah. But I think there's, you know, the industry's ever-changing and the, the consumers are ever-changing. And you have to kind of keep moving with with the tides. And I don't think you, I don't believe in making, you know, a trendy wine or something that's hip right now, but I do think there's a way to improve your current style and continue to move with, with the industry. How many cases of wine does Paul Hobbs make? Um, we make 25,000 okay. cases. Here. So still a nice, small, yeah. re respectable size. Yes. <laughs> okay. What do you think sets Paul Hobbs apart from the competition? And there's lots of competition. There's lots of great competition. And I think that's what's so beautiful about the industry. I think everyone's doing something a little mm -hmm. different and really great. But I think what sets us apart is that drive for quality and drive for, you know, nothing is treated the same here. There's no recipe. There's no cookbook. When a lot of Pinot comes in, a block, a clone, you know, everything is selected specifically for that block. And that could be, you know, three quarters of a ton, or that could be seven tons of fruit. And it's really, we take the care and the time to really take care of every single lot as if it's its own little person <laughs> going through the cellar. So I think that that really sets us apart is the focus on detail and the focus on quality. Do you regret not going into forensic science? I don't. There, there are times where, you know, I kind of think, man, and I say this to my mom actually a lot, but she, I say, mom, I really, really wanted to help people. That's what I want to do. And her response every time is, honey, you are helping people. You're making wine and that helps people. So that's been, you know, that's my main thing is I just wanted to do something that really meant something. And I think winemaking does. I mean, it brings a lot of families together. It brings people at an 
different people together, even our, you know, interns that come from all over the world. It brings different cultures together. And I think wine really does help people. So, you know, your mom's always right, I guess. Absolutely. (laughs) As you got into the winemaking business, was there something that surprised you? I think it was very surprising how small the industry is because, you know, at first it seems so like there's so many opportunities and all these like avenues you could take and different styles and sizes and all of that. But at the end of the day, like you run into the same people over and over and it's, but that's, what's so beautiful about it. It's such a community of people and people are really willing to help each other. It seems like everyone's just so competitive and there's so much competition out there, but really, you know, as a winemaker to other winemakers, we like to talk and we like to compare notes and and help each other at the end of the day. And I think that's really special. I agree. I agree. Considering it's a saturated market, (laughs) there's so much wine available. The community is is tight-knit. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Well, let's shift on to your personal life. What city do you live in? Um, I currently live in Santa Rosa. Okay. How did you choose Santa Rosa? Um, so that's where I actually, when I moved here from Davis, um, for my first internship, I ended up in Santa Rosa and then I've kind of lived there ever since. So I've been in Santa Rosa for about 13 years. Um, and I lived in a little, a little apartment kind of on the Santa Rosa Windsor border. Um, and then I bought my house in 2016 and I actually live in Fountain Grove which we had the bad fires in 2017. Um, and I did lose my home in 2017. So it was, I guess, I guess then I, I, I lied because I did live in Healdsburg for three years because I was waiting for my house to be rebuilt. So, but it's now rebuilt and it's the community again, community in wine country is just amazing. And my neighborhood has come back stronger and we're closer and so there's been a lot of positives that have come out of something that was and so you're tough. in fountain grove fountain grove okay yeah. in a brand new house <laughs> in a brand new house my dream house because it was built for me so <laughs> so that's that was a plus yeah. for sure yeah. so if we took a step inside your home <laughs> what would we see um it's definitely very kind of i like lighter colors i have a lot of windows in my house so i have a beautiful view of santa rosa um, and so there's a lot of grays and blues, um, but then pops of color. I really like the house to feel warm and colorful. So I'd say carpets, walls, everything's gray and blue. And then I've got pillows and accents that are colorful. Okay. Favorite room in your house? Oh, that's tough. Um, I really like my living room. Um, it has a really nice comfy couch. I have a lovely wine room that's actually was supposed to be the office of the house, but it's got <laughs> wine fridges and periodic table up on the wall and full bar and beer fridge. And so it's kind of my entertainment space. So I like sitting in the living room. I can see that and see my kitchen and it's just, I have friends over and it's just a really nice entertaining space. space. It's all open. So, so when you're kicking back and relaxing two questions, what kind of music do you put on? Oh, I listen to a lot of eclectic music. Um, Who are some of your favorite artists? So my all-time favorite artist actually was Green Day. Um, I was very, very into Green Day when I was in high school and still love putting on some Green Day. But I also just love that style of music. Pop punk is probably what I listen to, which maybe sounds surprising. But um, but that's my favorite music. 
And other than Paul Hobbs wine, what do you like to drink at home? Are you a wine girl or do you like the occasional beer or cocktail? Um, I like it all. I love wine. I love, you know, sitting back and thinking about a good wine. I love an interesting, an interesting varietal. I love an interesting bottling, but honestly, my favorite thing to drink is gin. Um, so I drink a lot of gin and tonics, drink a lot of martinis. Um, I like to equate gin to Pinot Noir because there's a very specific house style to gin as well with all the aromatics and the florals and the juniper and it's very different depending on what distiller you go to. So I yes. find gin really fascinating. We're going to have a conversation about that later. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Do you have a hobby or do you collect something other than maybe gin? <laughs> yeah. yeah, gin and wine is what I collect. My hobby, I mean, really, I spend a lot of time with friends. Um, I have a, a dog, a little. He's only a year old, so he's definitely my baby. What, um, what kind of dog He's do you a have? Scottish terrier. His oh name my is goodness. Oxley. What, wait, what's the name? Oxley. Oxley, okay. And so he, we go on a lot of walks. We like to go on hikes, um, mostly places that are paved because he is like a piece of Velcro that collects everything. <laughs> um, but I also like to hang out with friends. We go to breweries, go out to dinner, hang out in the backyard and play games or, you know, karaoke is, is, a, is popular in my friend circle. So. Okay, favorite karaoke <laughs> song? Um, so going back to my Green Day love, yes. I love a, a good basket case Green Day karaoke song. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. So that's her hobby, uh, is friends and karaoke yeah, and, and karaoke. And yeah. All that good stuff. Other than a few of the things we've just recently mentioned, is there <laughs> anything else that people might be surprised to learn about you? Um, so I actually, growing up, I was very into dance. I went to some public schools, great public schools that were magnet schools for performing arts. Um, so I danced and sang, um, when I was younger and really enjoyed acting in college. I almost did a double major in acting and, and chemistry, which was a little impossible with <laughs> scheduling, Okay, <laughs> but I love, You're so diverse. <laughs> I, love, I love acting, singing and dancing. So, <laughs> okay. Well, what kind of dance? Um, I did ballet growing up and then in high school I did more contemporary Okay, yes. yeah. so that is a little, um, you are all over the place. You do surprise me. <laughs> have you done much traveling? Um, I have. I've okay. been a few places. Is there a trip that you can tell us about that has great meaning to you? Yeah, so I actually, I went to Ireland um, with my mom in 2016, and that was... One of the last trips I took before my house burned down. And so I, you know, it was really a special trip. I had just bought my house. I felt, you know, very excited about all of that. And my family is from Ireland originally back, you know, a few generations. Right. Um, so we went and it was just really cool. It was cool to talk to people and they were so excited and wanted to know where our family was from and found out that my great, great, great grandmother was a distiller. And that was kind of cool because, you know, we... I'm a winemaker. And so that was kind of a connection. And I think that that, that whole country was just so magnificent and kind and beautiful. And we happened to be there on very sunny, warm days. So it was nice. Yes. That was probably a rarity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but how fabulous. That's yeah. a, that's a great time. Bucket list item. Do you have one or two that you could share? Hmm. 
Or have you done everything on your bucket list? <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Um, I think travel is still kind of high on my bucket list. I um, really would like to see more countries. It took me a while to get out. I was very focused on my career and, you know, building that at, when I was younger. And so I think now I really want to just travel and see more places. So Switzerland's definitely on my bucket list. I've actually never been to France, so that would be a good one for me. <laughs> yes, I would agree. I would agree. So I think, you know, just getting out more and being more adventurous. And Where would you go to in France first? I kind of would like to go to Champagne. I think that would be my first choice. I have yet to go to Champagne, <laughs> and bubbles are my beverage of choice. Yeah. <laughs> so I cannot believe I've never been. So I'd be right there with yeah. you. Well, we so, can go. Yes, let's go. <laughs> we should book the trip right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we're going to wrap things up with five quick questions. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. What is your favorite flower? Ooh, a peony. Okay. One of your favorite actors. Oh, that's hard. Just one. <laughs> I'll say Tom Hanks. Okay. I, I, I like Tom Hanks. Who doesn't like He's a good guy. I know. <laughs> I want him don't to be just, my dad. Yeah, don't you just <laughs> want to hang out with Tom? Yeah, I do. I do. What kind of car do you drive? I drive a Lexus 400H. It's a hybrid. Okay. Look at you. <laughs> What's your favorite holiday? I really like Easter. Easter is my favorite. Why? Um, my family used to always do this brunch that was really special, mm -hmm. um, and Easter egg hunts. And it just makes me think of my grandparents. Hmm, that's nice. And last question. What are a few items in your nightstand? I have a flashlight and that's kind of the first <laughs> thing. <laughs> and I have a lot of, uh, lotions because I have very dry skin working with wine all the time. So I have a lot of hand cream next to my my bed. Okay. But the flashlight's important, right? Absolutely. For so the many number reasons. one things. <laughs> you can hit somebody with it. You can, you know, the electricity goes out. Exactly. You've got it. So I think that's a necessity. Jenny, so much fun. Thank you for your time and for making some fantastic wines. Thank you. This has been really fun. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.